www.netivyah.org. The Lord's Supper and Passover, recorded July 19, 1998, at North Atlanta Church of Christ. A two-part series, part two. This morning will be all about memory. Barbara Streisand sang, Windows are the memories of our minds. Without memory, we have amnesia. We don't know who we are. We don't know where we live. We don't know where we belong. We don't know who our wife is, who our mother is, who our father is, who our children is. We have no memory. We are lost. Much of what the Bible speaks about as holidays has to do with memory. You know, we, we, you go to a, your grandmother's house. You see a lot of pictures sitting on the, on, on, on the shelves, on the, on the fireplace mantel. And these pictures are memories. Before the time that Kodak was invented, people had things that reminded them of who they are, where they come from. And God made many of his commandments over 157 times. We are commanded to remember in the Bible, all the New Testament. And when Jesus sat with his disciples on Mount, in Mount Zion... And they ate the Passover together, the, the last meal that he ate with his disciples. He took the most elemental things of life, the bread and the Welch's grape juice. <laughs> and he said, do this in my memory. He wanted his disciples to remember him. And he commanded them to remember him. I want this morning to do something that is unusual for this church. And it's, I wanted to do it even more unusual than, than it was possible technically to do. But I want us to jog our memories. I'm going to say something that may offend some of you, but please don't take it as an offense. But if you want to take it as an offense, it's okay. I'll forgive you. The church of Christ not only the churches of Christ but the whole church of Christ in the western world has been living in amnesia without roots and without history because they inherited their mindset from Rome not from Jerusalem they have continued in the Protestant tradition that continued in the Catholic tradition that continued in the pagan tradition of Rome. And what I want us to do today is to restore a little bit of our memory. You know, as a Jew, so many of the commandments of God have to do with remembrance. For example, we are commanded to have a four-cornered garment with tassels. It's called a talus, a prayer shawl. We know that Jesus and the disciples wore prayer shawls. 
How do we know that Jesus and the disciples were, wore prayer shawls? They were Jews. But not only that. He commands the disciples. In Matthew 23, he commands the disciples and says, Don't lengthen your the tassels. And don't broaden the stripes of your phylacteries like the Pharisees do. Well, you can't lengthen something you ain't got. Right? And so th- these are the tassels that Jesus was talking about, that the Pharisees lengthened them so that they would be seen by men. That means they had to have a prayer shawl. And the early icons, the 4th century icons in churches in Yugoslavia, in Armenia, and some other places, and in Rome, in the, in the church of Santa Maria Maggiore in Rome, there is a great big 5th century mosaic. And Jesus and the disciples are portrayed wearing these prayer shawls. Such prayer shawls were found in Qumran and in the, around the Dead Sea area. So we know the Jews wore these same prayer shawls made out of wool with tassels. And we know it from the New Testament. What are these tassels about? They're about memory. If you open your Bibles... In Numbers, chapter 15. Verse 37. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, Throughout the generations to come, You are to make tassels on the corners of your garments with blue cord on each tassel. You will have these tassels to look at so that you will remember all the commandments of the Lord. That you may obey them and not prostitute yourselves by going after the lusts of your own hearts and eyes. Then you will remember to obey all my commandments and will consecrate it to your God. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. Here you see God commanding the children of Israel a very strange commandment. To put tassel on a four-cornered garment like the one that I showed you. So that they will remember the commandments of God. And they will remember that they don't walk after the lust of their hearts and what they see with their eyes. Yeah. That they should not forget that God took them out of the land of Egypt. And that He is the Lord their God. See, without these things to remind us. You know what they say in Nashville? They say the first thing that goes, what is it? The memory, right? So we have got to have things that remind us. And we hold these little mementos of our past dear. One time I heard one of the elders of the Murfreesboro Church that his house burned down, burned down completely. And I was in his new house when they dedicated the new house to God. And the wife said, the thing that we miss the most is the children's pictures when they were little. They didn't care about the Tupperware or the new set of dishes that they brought Uh, from Europe, they cared about the things that were to do with their memory. 
The Passover. It has to do with our memory. A few times in the Old Testament it says, Remember that you were slaves in Egypt. Remember that you were slaves in the land of Egypt and that the Lord your God has brought you with a mighty hand out of Egypt. One of the most difficult things, dear brethren, for us in the 20th century, people that were born to Christian parents were raised under biblical principles, were in church from the time they were in diapers. One of the most difficult things to is to remember that we were lost. That's why the second generation of Christians has a much harder time walking with the Lord than the first generation because the first generation remembers what it was like to live in the gutter. What it was like to be lost. To get up in the morning and not know why you're alive. Not to have a Father in heaven that strengthens you and saves you and forgives you and guides you. The second generation Christians and the second generation church that was raised on a silver platter has a hard time knowing what it means to be lost. The, the, the evening of the Passover, in the Jewish home, when they celebrate the Passover, and after they make the invitation for everyone to come and eat the, the bread of affliction, that's what the unleavened bread is called, the bread of affliction. The children are asked, what is different this night than any other night? And the answer is, tonight we're eating only unleavened bread. What is different tonight from any other night? Tonight we're eating only bitter herbs. To remember the bitterness of slavery in the land of Egypt. And then after that, a proclamation is issued that says, let each one of us see himself as having been a slave in Egypt see himself as having been delivered personally, not only in history in the past, from slavery in this world. Today we're going to remember. We are going to remember uh, what Jesus Christ did for us. But we're going to look at it from the eyes of the Passover. Because it was not an accident that Jesus gathered his disciples in Mount Zion in an upper room to eat with them the Passover. It was not an incident. It was pre-planned. He sent his disciples when they got to Bethany on top of the mountain and they could see Jerusalem on the mountain across the valley of the Kidron. He said, go find me a place, prepare me a place to keep the Passover. It was a part of his plan, and it had to do with the plan of God. That's why so much of our language and songs of the New Testament has to do 
with the Lamb of God. That imagery of the, behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the earth, world is taken from the Passover. The whole imagery of redemption is taken from the Passover. And during Sunday school we are going to study this even more in depth than we are right now. But just think of it. I want you to, to close your eyes for a minute and to remember. How was your life before you gave it to Jesus Christ? Before you were willing to die, what kind of life did you have? You may have been raised in a clean, upper middle class, waspy home. But if your life didn't change, when you accepted Jesus as your Lord, when you were willing to die so that He will give you a new life, then you better remember you better think again. Our life has to do with remembrance. It's a very interesting passage in Psalms 106, verse 7. The accusation that the psalmist gives to Israel. Psalm 106, verse 7. This is what the psalmist says. I'm going to start reading from verse 6. We have sinned even as our fathers did. We have done wrong and acted wickedly. When our fathers were in Egypt, they gave no thought to your miracles. They did not remember your many kindnesses. They rebelled by the sea, the Red Sea. Yet he saved them for his name's sake, to make his mighty power known. He rebuked the Red Sea and so forth. Now the sin of our forefathers was that they didn't remember what God did for them. That they didn't remember that God delivered them from the land of Egypt. That they didn't remember the promises of God. That's how the psalmist looks the sins of the past as sins of forgetting what God did for you. There's a fabulous story in Luke 17 about the ten lepers that Jesus met them in Samaria on the way to Jerusalem. And he healed them from, they begged him to heal them from their leprosy. And then he told them, go to Jerusalem to the priest so that he will proclaim you cleansed. And they started running toward Jerusalem. And one of them stopped and said, I've got to go back and thank this man for what he did. He remembered to come back and thank Jesus. The other nine, they were so anxious for the moment that they didn't remember to come back and thank Jesus for the healing. I don't know what happened to them when they got to Jerusalem. But I imagine that that one that came back and Jesus said, where are the other nine? I imagine that when he got to the priest, the priest said, You are clean. Your skin is like a baby. The other nine, I don't know. The New Testament doesn't say. But I would imagine that they didn't finish their cleansing from leprosy. Because they didn't remember 
to thank God for what He did for them. And part of our heritage of the churches of Christ in the Protestant world is sometimes on purpose forgetting the miracles that God has done in our lives. Forgetting what God has done for you personally. And so the Passover repeatedly, in fact, even the Sabbath, if you read in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 15, where the, the, the Moses is retelling the second, the, the, the Ten Commandments, he's giving the Ten Commandments, what God gave him in Mount Sinai, he added a verse. He said, do that, keep the, observe the Sabbath and keep it holy, remembering that God took you out of the land of Egypt, out of slavery into freedom. So every week, every Sabbath, Jews not only remember the seventh day that God rested on after He created the world, but they also remember the fact that God took them out of slavery. You know, there's all kinds of slavery. A fellow Jew by the name of Zimmerman, better known as Bob Dylan, Sings a song. Oh, you old folks don't know him, I know. I'm talking to the young right now. He sings a song, everybody's got to serve somebody. Yeah. You either serve the devil, or you serve God. Yeah. And it's true, we are all slaves. Romans 6, where Paul writes about baptism, he says, You were former time slaves. Of your passions, slaves to the world, to the devil. But now you have been made servants of God. The word in, in, in Greek is the same as slaves, doulos. Yeah? So we are slaves of God. We have been freed from slavery to the world. And we have been made slaves of God. And if you're a slave of a good master, then you are a master yourself. So in that sense, we all have been slaves in Egypt. In the modern world, and soon we're going to hear witness of this, there are people who are slaves to drugs. It's a real slavery. Slaves to alcohol. Slaves to, to all kinds of abuses. Slaves to all kinds of, of, of... Could be slaves to money. To mammon. That is a pretty harsh master. Yeah. And that same power of deliverance that came when God delivered his children from Egypt is available to us in Jesus Christ. Let me give you one more verse and then we're going to go into the Lord's Supper. Traditionally in the church, we haven't talked about holidays. We haven't talked about biblical holidays at all. And it's been a tradition in the Church of Christ that they don't even keep Christmas. Slowly, slowly, that has, is changing. And people are having trees in their houses. 35 years ago, it was rare to find in the South Churches of Christ that people, especially the preacher or the elders, had trees in their house. 
You know, they were all turning into Scrooges. And their, children's were, their children were suffering. Yeah. Because everybody else had it, and they didn't have it. Somehow I don't know where we inherited that inheritance. But the New Testament has a very interesting commandment. It's a commandment. It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm going to start from verse 6. Your boasting is not good. Don't you know that a little yeast or a little leaven works throughout the whole batch of dough? Get rid of the old yeast that you may be a new batch without yeast. As you really are. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Let us therefore, or therefore let us keep the festival, not with the old leaven, or the old yeast, the yeast of malice and wickedness, but with the bread without yeast, the bread of sincerity and truth. The words, let us therefore celebrate the feast. Yeah? has no meaning to people who don't have any feasts. Right? Has no meaning to people who don't clean their house from the leaven. This is only relevant to people who actually keep the feast. To people who actually clean their house from the old leaven. You know, in a Jewish home, on the night before Passover, after the women and the men today, slaved and cleaned the whole house Every book, every corner, every cabinet, every drawer. After you clean everything. The father comes in. With a flashlight today, but in old days they used a candle. And he goes to corners that he thinks he may find some leaven. And he scrapes the corner to see... Maybe there is some leaven left there. And it's with a feather, cleans out the leaven. Making sure that there is no leaven in the house. It's a physical thing. But it's really a reminder of the spiritual things that we are all about. Paul here commands... The church in Corinth that was made up of Jews and Gentiles, not only Jews. And he says something very interesting. He says, Jesus Christ is the lamb, the Passover lamb that has been sacrificed for you. You know, in Egypt, when, they, when the children of Israel were that night in their homes, and every home had blood on his doorpost. Every household took a lamb, slaughtered it at the door of the house, took hyssop and put the blood on, on the doorpost, then went inside to eat that lamb after they cooked it. The angel of death came over the, the, the households of Egypt, and any house that had no blood on its doorpost 
the firstborn of that house, the firstborn child, the firstborn donkey, the firstborn sheep, the firstborn cow, every living thing, the firstborn of every living thing died that night. The angel of death passed over Egypt. But on the homes that had that blood of the lamb, nothing happened. When they got up in the morning, the Egyptians found death in their households. The Israelites walked out of Egypt with the mighty hand of God leading them. That's what the Passover means. And the family of God's children were commanded by Paul, let us therefore celebrate the feast, not only cleaning the house. He didn't say, don't clean your house. He said, don't only clean your house, but also clean your heart from the leaven of malice. Wickedness. Malice and wickedness are synonyms. So we are supposed to clean our heart. That's why when Paul says, in 1 Corinthians, he says, uh, let each man therefore examine himself before he takes the bread and the cup. That means look into the corners of your heart to find if you have any malice or wickedness. Any evil lodged in some chamber of your heart and clean it out. Discern that you are now the body of Christ. You're no longer living according to the matrix of the world, of Egypt. You are now living by a different rule. You have cleansing power in the blood of the Lamb to cleanse your heart. Because Jesus Christ is our Passover Lamb. But we've got to remember this. And we need help to remember it. We need things like to remember. We forget In the Passover, one of the first things that we do is to, to, before we eat the Passover, is to remember that we were slaves in Egypt and that slavery is a very bitter thing. Those of you that have been enslaved to alcohol, to drugs, to your job, to money, to the world, to sin... Know how bitter slavery is. And so Moses commanded the children of Israel. In the book of Exodus. Chapter 12. When he's talking about the Passover. He commanded them. To remember. The bitter herbs. That they ate. In slavery in Egypt. Can you believe that my mind has gone black? I've lost the memory. I know it's in, in Exodus chapter 12, uh, verse uh, 8. But I forgot it. I had to look at my notes. And here I am talking about memory. So it helps to have something that makes you remember. Doesn't it? That's why... 
you prepare before you teach. And you write notes, right? Those notes help you remember. And look at the notes that God gave us in verse 8 of chapter 12. That same night, they are to eat the meat roasted over the fire, along with the bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. They are to eat the meat along with the bitter herbs. Because in chapter 1 of Exodus, it says, And they remembered the bitterness of their labor, of their slavery, of the hard labor that the Egyptians had put them through. They remembered that bitterness. So now when you taste the bitter herbs, we chose parsley. You know, in our home, we use raw horseradish a lot more bitter and hot yeah and it brings tears to the children's eyes and even to some of the adults that don't come from Spanish background I'm a Spanish Jew so all the Polish Jews and the other are there any Jews around here raise your hand are you Ashkenazi so you would cry a little it's okay uh, but we use horseradish, raw horseradish, not parsley. That brings tears into our eyes that we remember the pain that it was to be slaves in Egypt. Yeah. It is painful. And we must not forget the past. Twice in the Old Testament we are commanded, remember what Amalek did to you. Yeah. The Amalekites. And never forget. Our soldiers go to the swearing-in, our paratroopers go to the swearing-in ceremony up on Mesada and say, never again. We remember the dead of Vietnam when you see that black wall with 50,000 names on it. It's put there so that we will never forget. And those bitter herbs are commanded that we will never forget that we were bitterly enslaved in Egypt. It's going to be a little bit different than your customary way of doing things, but I want you to remember your past, the bitterness of what it was like to live without Jesus. I will ask this man now to pass this parsley. It's a mild bitter herb. Especially for Ashkenazis. Go ahead. I will continue talking to use the time. What time do we have to end? Okay. Just hold it in your in your uh, in your hand, like this. Each one take a little bit in your hand. And of course, as Jews, we have a blessing for everything. We don't do anything without a blessing. We don't take the bread without a blessing. We don't take the grape juice without blessing. And we don't take the bitter herbs without blessing. And so I will bless the bitter herbs after you get them in your hands. And we will all eat them together. And I want you to remember the Passover. Your personal Passover. 
when God passed over, the, the angel of death passed over your life in the name of Jesus Christ and gave you life. Normally we, we eat that first, the bitter herbs. After that we eat the unleavened bread. After that we eat a sandwich of unleavened bread and some special paste that looks like mud. It's made from apples and bananas and raisins and, and, uh, and wine and cinnamon and sugar. It's very sweet. And that signifies the grace of God. It wasn't only bitterness that we experienced, but we also experienced the grace of God that never forgot His promises. And so we eat this sandwich in memory not only of the bitterness, but the bitter always comes with the sweet in God's kingdom. And what we may think was the greatest calamity in our lives can turn out to be a window for the grace of God to enter into our lives. So now if you got, everybody has the, the parsley in his hand, let's say the blessing. And I'm going to say it in, in, in Hebrew first and then translate it to English. Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Pri HaAdama Blessed art thou our God and our Father, creator of the universe, who has given us the fruit of the earth. Amen. has a little bit of bitterness. But I want you to remember your life before Jesus Christ. Your private Egypt. Where you came from. The second thing that we do is we take the unleavened bread. As I said, it's called the bread of affliction. It's a bread that didn't rise. It's a bread that was done in a hurry. It's a bread that is supposed to remind us that the kingdom of God is without sin, without living. That the body of Christ is without sin. That the church that the Lord died for is perfect. It's simple. It's plain. It's humble. East is pride. Leaven is haughtiness. The unleavened bread is humble. And the church of our Lord is a humble church. It's a simple church. Our property is the humility of our Lord. That He will not even break, according to the promise of Isaiah, the Messiah is not even going to break the wick of a candle that has been snuffed out. That's what Isaiah the prophet says. So humble. 
we're going to pass the bread and say the blessing again as in the Passover in Hebrew and in English hold the bread in your hand take a bigger piece than you take normally okay God is generous and we're going to pass the bread and then say the blessing after you get the bread and hold it in your hand okay go ahead gentlemen I thought they'd have four pieces, whole pieces of matzah on each plate. Yeah? But you go ahead and take. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam motilechem min haaretz. Blessed are thou our God and our Father, creator of the universe, who has brought forth bread from the earth. In the name of our Lord Yeshua, Jesus of Nazareth. Amen. We will do the same now with the cup. If you look in Luke chapter 22, you will see that there are two cups mentioned there. The first cup The first cup is mentioned in Luke 22, verse 17. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, This is, no, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And then after that, he takes the bread, right? And then in verse 20, he takes the cup again. After they have eaten, after the supper, he took the cup saying, this, is, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Yeah. The second cup. Now, what is all this about the first cup and the second cup? In the Passover and the day of Jesus and today in the Jewish households, you have four cups. Three cups before. Two cups before the meal. And then the third and the fourth cup after the meal. Jesus blessed and said, The blood of my covenant, do this in remembrance of me, on the third cup, after the supper. The third cup. Why the third cup? In the beginning of the ceremony, when they break the bread, there's three pieces of matzah that are hidden. Three pieces of unleavened bread that are hidden. They take out the centerpiece of the unleavened bread and they break it in half in front of everybody else. And then the father of the house, or the teacher, hides half of that bread and it's called the afikoman it's a greek word and during the meal the children are supposed to look for that hidden unleavened bread 
whoever finds it can come to the father with the unleavened bread and he can ask for anything. My children ask for a cat. And for 14 years, as long as that cat was alive, I suffered. That cat lived for 14 years and I suffered for 14 years because the children found the Afik, my son found the Afikoman and he asked for a cat and I couldn't tell him no. Now, this Afikoman is a symbol of the Messiah in every Jewish household that is hidden from our eyes and for whom we have to look for. Like Andrew, the brother of Peter, said, we have found the Messiah for whom we have been looking for. And at that moment, after they have found the Messiah, after the household have found the Afikoman, after the meal, Jesus took the third cup and said, this cup is the blood of the new covenant. It was shed for you. Every one of us should have a cup in his hand. If you have given your life to Jesus, if you have enjoyed the cleansing of His blood, if you have received forgiveness of sin, you have a right to drink this cup. If you have not, don't drink it. Because it's drinking judgment into your lives. But if you have come out of Egypt and have enjoyed being in the light, of the kingdom of God, then you drink this cup, remembering your Egypt. Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Melech Haolam Bore Pri Hagafen. Blessed art thou, our God, Creator of the universe, who has brought forth the fruit of the vine in Jesus Christ, in Yeshua our Messiah. Amen. I have noticed that in the passage in 1 Corinthians, chapter 5, verse 7, Paul says to the church, you are the unleavened bread. We as Christians are the unleavened bread. Because God saved us. Because God took us out of slavery and gave us his life. And it is not only a sermon not only a teaching it's real life the church is dealing with life with the lives of people with the lives of our children with the life of america with the life of the kingdom of god we are not playing religion here and i want only two people today to give their witness of how god took them out of their private egypt out of their private Slavery and how God gave him a new life in Jesus Christ through the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the earth. I will ask a dear sister, Kay Coppage, to come up. Or we'll take the microphone. Where is the microphone? Okay. To her. And to share about her life. To tell you how real 
slavery can be and how great the redemption of God can be. Go ahead. Um, I have experienced the deliverance from the Lord, and um, it's awesome. He does still deliver today. Um, my slavery started when I was 14 thir- um, and lasted for 13 years. I was in bondage to an eating disorder that basically controlled my life. Um, when I was 13, I started weighing myself 10, 12 times a day, weighing all the food I ate, um, measuring everything with a measuring um, cup. And by the time, 13 years later, when Kent and I were married, I weighed myself again 10, 12, 13 times a day, would have to um I would vomit up my food if I had to, to get rid of it, to try to control my weight. I uh, added, by that time, fat grams came into play, and I added up everything I ate, calories, fat. Um, it obsessed my life. We would have to bolt from the church building on um, Sunday afternoons before somebody would ask us out to dinner. And there were times when I could eat. I would seek after help of the world, but it was only temporary Um, All of this time, I was a religious person, but I didn't have a relationship with the Lord. I'd never asked Jesus to be Lord of my life and had a personal walk with him. Um, Through some events in my life about two years ago, I decided to make him Lord of my life and started seeking him on a personal journey and to get to know him. When I did that, it wasn't very long before he really laid on my heart that this was not in accordance with his will and what I was doing was wrong. My mind was not free to love him with all my mind if it was on food and weight and that obsession. So I knew he wanted me out. Um, and through the Way Down workshop here at the church, Tracy Long, Debbie Weaver, they brought me a letter from a girl who had experienced something similar to what I was going through and had experienced deliverance from the Lord. Um, I thought it was too good to be true. And the letter came from this girl many years ago in Memphis, Tennessee. I didn't even know if she could be found but I um, called the way down 1-800 number. I said, if you guys can find this girl, I really need to speak with her. Have her call me, collect. The next morning, she called my house. Her name is Jill Bass, and she called, and she said, Kay, I'm Jill, and you won't believe this, but the Lord just transferred us to Atlanta, and I'm here, and I'll help you all the way. And she did, and two years later, the Lord has led me out of my Egypt, and now I feast every day at his table and I eat every meal with him. And I, um, I can just praise him for breaking my chains. There's a um, Christian song that says, Remember your chains. Remember the prison that once held you before the love of God broke through. Um, and when you remember, remember your chains are gone. And my chains are gone. And the Lord is a mighty God, awesome deliverer. And he still does deliver today. Amen. 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 I am sure that there is a lot of stories in this crowd. Exciting stories of God's work in, the, in people's lives. Uh, we have another one from Jeff Baker that is going to share how God delivered him personally. Good morning. Um, I was in the music business, uh, kind of still am for over 25 years. And um, as if anybody knows what goes hand in hand with uh, that lifestyle is a lot of drug abuse and... Um, a lot of other things, but that particular uh, was my chain uh, to slavery. Uh, it, it was progressive, uh, 
nearly devastated everything that I cared about. And um, it, God um, entered my life about 10 years ago or so, and uh, it was, uh, he had his work cut out for him with me. Um, there was, uh, it was, I was still struggling with it for over a decade, and, and I, I, with his help, pretty much have overtaken this, this struggle. Uh, it took me losing just about everything, or about to lose everything. It was a, like a $3,000 a month habit, and uh, it's by uh, his miracle and his grace that I'm still alive. Um, only within the last year, I've I was struggled with the fact that um, I was a Christian and I was a baptized believer, but still struggled with drugs and still was doing drugs. And uh, only now I see that it was his timetable that I was being saved by, not my own. And uh, it, it took finally all this time to realize that he was still working on me all this time, but just at his own pace. And uh, he delivered uh, delivered me from that lifestyle and saved me from myself. And... Uh, I praise his name uh, everywhere I go. Amen. Thank you. Hallelujah. God is at work. And he's never left his job from saving people and doing wonders in their lives. I will share one incident very shortly with you and then I'm going to I'll ask everybody to get up and give praise to God. In 75, we had a woman that had been coming to our Bible study. She was an immigrant from Romania. Become a believer. After a few months, six months that she came to our Bible studies, she became a believer. She was baptized. And... Uh, we were going home at 11 o'clock at night from a Bible study in a suburb of Tel Aviv and the womb, we were three in the car. Myself, an older brother who is a Palestinian Arab and this woman was in the back seat and as we were driving she just broke out crying. And she said, tomorrow I'm going to the rabbinical court to ask for a divorce from my husband. I said, why? I said, well, I can't live with him anymore. He's been 11 years abusing drug and alcohol, and he's just terrorizing everybody, the whole family, and I don't think it's right. I know I'm a Christian, and that I shouldn't divorce my husband, but I can't take it anymore. So the older Arab brother said, let's go and talk to him. She, she said he won't do any good. He's drunk and you cannot communicate with him. The older brother said, we're going. So at around 11.30 that night, we knocked on the door and there was this man in his underwear, drunk as he could be. And uh, the Arab brother caught him by the hand, pushed him into the kitchen. He tried to resist. And the other brother stood with, right in front of him, nose to nose, and said, If you don't change your life tonight, within six months, you will be dead in the street. 
said, well, I can't change my life. He said, you can if you pray to God. He said, I have never prayed to God and I have no intention of starting right now. Get out of my house. The Arab brother told him, you pray to God right now or you will be dead in six months. You will be losing your family and your life. The Arab brother said to me, you start saying the words and he told him, you start repeating. And so I started. Before I finished the first sentence, the man was out on the floor on his face down on the floor crying and calling on God to redeem him and to save him and to get him out of the alcohol and the drugs. That was the last time that that man drank or took drugs. That night, miraculously, God delivered him. You know what this man doing today? He used to be one of the top artists of, of the Zen school. Zen school of art. And his pictures until today hang in major museums in Europe and in America. In the Museum of Modern Art in Chicago and in Milwaukee and in Washington D.C. And in the homes of many, many wealthy Americans, his art still hangs there. Today this man is the director of the largest alcohol and drug rehabilitation center in Israel. He gives out Bibles to his patients. Last year, in the beginning of the... No, last year, the chief scientist, ecological scientist in Israel, became a Christian because he gave her a Bible and turned her to Jesus and sent her to Jerusalem to our congregation. She was an alcohol abuse you know, she was an alcoholic. And today she is a faithful member of our congregation. Yeah? Gave her life to Jesus. Because Pete was saved by God. Through the grace of God and the blood of Jesus Christ. That opportunity is available to all mankind today. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt. Don't forget what God did for your lives. Nativia, www.netivyah.org.